Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson. And today I'm talking to Debbie Smith, who is at the forefront of changing the law for us with her great road safety campaign called Path Wide and Slow. And I'm also talking to Lucy Catan from the British Grooms Association, who's going to be giving us tips and advice on how to be a groom and how her company can help you. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to another episode of Horse Hour. I'd like to introduce Debbie Smith, who is one lady on a mission and she's doing amazingly well. She's put together this incredible campaign, which is asking for the government to change the legislation to make it a legal requirement for drivers to pass horse riders wide and slow and the maximum should be 15 miles an hour. Now, we've all experienced horrific drivers that come speeding past nearly knocking us over and it's so dangerous so we commend Debbie on what she's doing. Debbie how are you? I'm fine thank you. It's amazing what you're doing this campaign has just gone crazy hasn't it? Yeah it just goes to show how strong the horse network is out there. But we are the best. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we all, the thing is, what you're doing is the campaign that you've set up is called Pass Wide and Slow. And you're actually targeting something that affects all of us. Most of us have had an, have had an experience with a bad driver where they have no respect for the rider. They have no respect for the horse. You see the videos on, on YouTube and on Facebook and on Twitter all the time. Now that these new headcams have come out of drivers driving incredibly close dangerously close to riders so what made you start this campaign um I just I was breaking my young horse um and I've broken in four in the past and I've never had a problem with traffic whatsoever um he was very good for the first 12 months anything could go by him but then I was out riding one day the roads were wet and the cars were just speeding around the corners skid into a hole he got scared he span around tried to run off and then it was just one of those times where the next two cars did exactly the same thing mm. so i've now had a lot of issues trying to get his confidence up again um and i thought i've just had enough of this you know we we need to be seen as a minority alongside cyclists and walkers yes um, to be seen as important as those you know there's signs up warning people of all these but there's no signs up warning people that they might see a horse around the corner. Mm. So that's what I want, really. So I just got fed up with the drivers and the abuse. 
Oh, the abuse is horrific. I, I've yeah. met, I live in the New Forest and even in the New Forest, there are signs up and people still don't care. They, um, mm. Last week, two donkeys were killed, two baby yes. donkeys. Yeah. This week, another horse was killed and it's just left on the side of the road because it hasn't mm. been removed yet. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. It's almost like you want to leave the horses there because you want people to see what they've done. Yeah. But some drivers just don't care. No, and unless there's some sort of comeuppance for them, like getting a big fine or having points taken off of their license, they're not going to care because they can just drive away and leave the scene because Mm. it's not a legal requirement to pass a horse wide and slow. It's in the highway code, but it's only advisory. That's insane, isn't it? Yes, unless it's like marked as must in the highway code, it isn't actually a legal requirement. Is it? You've got kids, haven't you? Yes. How how old are they? 17 and 15. So the 17-year-old is just starting to learn to drive now. She's just passed the test. Oh, bless her. Congratulations. <laughs> in, the, um, in the hazard awareness test, because it's been a long time since I've done a driving test, mm-hmm. and I do remember in the hazard awareness that originally that they did show the horse symbol, but it was very, very limited. Yeah. Have they changed that now? Is it more detailed, the hazard awareness? Not as far as I know, no, no. I remember, I remember phoning, living in Hertfordshire and seeing these rubbish bin men and um, the dustbin men. And when they drove down our lane, they had, they were like 45 miles an hour driving so quickly. And along this lane were about seven or eight gates going onto a yard. And they drove so badly and so quickly that I had to throw my horse into the field so yeah. th- and shut the gates just to stop us getting hit. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I phoned the council and said, um, look, this, this situation's happened. You're in a horse area. It's, it's not like we're in the middle of, of town mm-hmm. or a city. We're in the countryside. You guys should be trained to actually be careful with the horse yeah. riders. And they said, oh, we do advise them to keep their eye out. Yeah. Well, that's not enough. We need more. No. Yeah, we, we need legal protection. That's what we need. So how's the campaign going then? When did you start it? I started it last September, um, near the end of last September. Um, yeah, I've got nearly 72,000 signatures now. Um, That's incredible. We've met the transport minister and discussed our issues with him. And that went really well. What did he say? Well, he said it was just ridiculous that um, the abuse that we get. He said the roads are public past they're for everybody to use mm. and you know I mentioned to him about the comments we get where you don't pay road tax you don't pick your horse poo up and, and he almost laughed it off really he said well that's just ridiculous he said the mounted police don't have to go out and pick their poo up you know and he was fully supportive really and he said yes we should be taken seriously one of the issues that I brought up with him was our head cam footage there's been quite a few people that have reported that they've sent police their footage and the police haven't taken any action on it oh right yeah and um so i i said that to the transport minister and he said no that's wrong he said he said it's as much evidence as anything else he said and it should be acted on you know importantly so he's going to make that nationally known by all the police forces that if we give our head cam footage it should be acted on so that's that's very good Oh, it's brilliant, Debbie. Brilliant. Because I don't know why people, you know, I can't speak for all police. I did actually interview the chief crime commissioner 
of uh, North Yorkshire Police a few weeks yeah. ago, and she's got horses herself. Yeah. And uh, you know, and her police force are brilliant. They're so supportive, and they yes. do they do a lot of awareness workshops for the locals to say, you know, keep an eye out, be careful of the horse and riders, this kind of thing. Yeah. But so many places don't, and and no. it's almost like, oh, well, you're just a horse and rider. You're you're living in the countryside almost like we're supposed yeah. to accept and accept that we're going to be abused yes that's 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 exactly right you know we shouldn't have to we want to be included in the signs for cyclists and walkers you know beware people have got to know that when they drive around a corner they might meet a cyclist or a walkers but also a horse you know and and not just that you might meet one one day and if you do you better be careful you know we need to be seen as the majority yeah, it's like one in three people have a connection with the equestrian world and having a connection with horses, whether it's they ride themselves or their mm. friend or their sister or their mum rides. And actually, that's that's a third of the country. Yes, there's a lot of horses around. Well, you can tell by the horsey people with how well the petition's done. I mean, everybody's, you know, got, and I've got my own um, group on Facebook, Pass Ride and Slow, and everybody's been helping one lady's said that she'd sell some high fees and donate some money to the course so we can get some stickers. Or one suggestion was to get beer mats made up and <laughs> circulate in pubs, which yeah. is quite a good suggestion, just to help raise more awareness. So, yeah, Equisafety sponsored me as well, and they've got me a lot more signatures through putting it on their site and everything. Mm. So, How, how yeah. many signatures do you need? Well, you, they say 100,000 to take it to Parliament. Okay, and you're on 73,000. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and write a letter to my local MP and the Transport Minister soon and, and say to them, you know, look, I'm now thinking of taking this to Parliament to be debated and, you know, would they take it forward for me? Oh, brilliant. Um, so that's the next step. And, and see what happens. Don't you need us to write to our MPs and our local police forces? Yes, I mean, everybody should be writing to their MPs, you know, because it's got to be nationally and not just me doing it here locally. Mm. My MP advised that himself because he said the MPs, they've got like a meeting where they can have, they'll all get together and discuss the issues. Um, So if it's brought up further away, they can all get together then. I think it's not like you're just asking for us, our safety as well. You're also asking for the driver's safety because if a car hits a horse, I don't think the drivers ever realise the impact that a horse can have and how they could be killed too. No, they don't. No, they because they just think they're protected by a metal shell, don't they? But mm. when you've got half a ton horse fall on your bonnet or through your windscreen, they're not protected. No. And if they're driving slow enough, they'd be able to stop. If the horse does start jigging around a bit. Yeah, I got horrifically abused only a couple of months ago because my horse was spooking. And he you might have seen the post that I wrote an open letter to the arsehole van driver, I called it, because he, he was just horrific. Yeah. And I had, um, I was in the New Forest, you know, so they are country lanes. And mm. I'm very lucky to be in the New Forest now. But there are times when I've been further, closer in town. Yeah. And there are buses and drivers and cars and mm. all the rest of it. And we try so hard to be respectful and say thank you. Every car that passes slowly, we make a big point of saying thank you so yeah. much. That's really kind. Anyway, um, I'm in the forest. My horse is very, very chilled out. And I'm surrounded by 20 wild ponies. 
and one of the wild ponies spooks and gallops out of the bushes. Well, Mm. there's nothing I can do about that. And they gallop down the road and a little baby pony skidded on the road and literally he stopped skidding about three feet behind my horse's back feet. Mm. So my horse is like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. I need to gallop off with the horses. So I'm trying to hold him back. Anyway, he, you know, yes, he did buck and rear because he wanted to go, but I calmed him down. Everything was fine. The situation was calm, Mm. but he just wanted to get home. So I let him trot down the road sideways Mm. because he needed to be moving forward. Mm. And this lovely lady, she pulled up, she was really, she she pulled up, wound down her window and said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, please, please. Can you open that gate? Because I couldn't get off the horse. I wouldn't be able to get off him and keep him calm to be able to get through Mm. the gate. And she was lovely. She opened the gate for me. At this point, a van driver pulls up. He's got rubbish in the boot, rubbish in the back. He slams on his brakes so everything falls down with a huge bang, which spooks my horse even more. Mm. And then he starts screaming at me. And I mean, like, full on. I am every single name under the sun, including the C word. Like, it was just horrific. And I said, I just want to get home safely. He then opens his van door to get out of the car why else would you get out of the car if it's not to come and mm. intimidate me? I thought yeah. you could be hitting me or anything. Anyway, I event- I just kept going, walked around the uh, through the gate, and he then put on his acceleration. Everything then fell back over again in the van, and he drove yeah. off. By the time I got back to the field, I'm 30 years old, and I burst into tears. Mm. And it I, is. it's so sad. And I said to the lady, you know, I'm sorry, I'm 31 and I'm crying, but he really scared me. What he was saying was, I shouldn't be allowed on the road. I'm a danger. My horse is a danger. But actually, if he'd known the full situation of what happened before, mm. actually, we were being quite safe and we were making yeah. sure that everybody else was safe. Yeah. And it's our duties as riders and horse owners to make sure that everybody else around us and ourselves and our horses are safe for all times. Mm. It's driver's duties to make sure that everyone yeah. around them is safe. Yeah. And that they don't intimidate anybody. Yeah. They don't abuse anybody. And they keep everyone and they're not making us safe. No, no, they're not at all. And it is upsetting when you get abused from someone. You know, it's not nice. And so we shouldn't have to put up with it. And you take down the number plate and, um, you know, you phone the police. And like you say, the police sometimes see it as, oh, well, it's just another another rider on a horse. Yeah. But hopefully with your campaign, they'll now start acting on that. And so yes. people won't, they will think twice before they shout abuse at us. They yeah. will think twice before they speed past us in the, you know, through the flooded water, mm. which is only going to squirt all over the horse and spook them. Yeah. And so your campaign is a brilliant idea. Yes, I mean, people need to go out and get cameras. You yeah. know, and, and once the driver sees you've got that camera, they behave because nobody likes to be on camera. I've had cyclists whiz past me and then they've seen my camera and said to me, oh, I'm on camera. And I'm like, yeah, I slowed down now, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so everybody's noticing the camera there. Mm. And, you know, you have got that evidence. And is the evidence helping? Well, I've had the police out to me three times and I'm lucky here because the police here have been very good mm. and they've gone out and and given the driver's words. Um, oh, that's really? all they can do. Yeah, they've gone out and spoke to them and they've been really good. So once the word gets around that this is going to happen or they might get a fine if that's what I want, then once you get to people's pockets, they generally start behaving, don't they? Mm, yeah. So yeah. 
So having that threat there is... Um, I used to think it was maybe lack of education and that people didn't understand the dangers that, that they're actually putting on the horse and rider when they are driving carelessly around them. Now I think it's not so much lack of education because I think with all the safety awareness videos that have come out, like the British Horse Society brought out mm-hmm. that TV campaign, didn't they? Yeah. And that yeah. went viral. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I do think people are educated. It's, it's the attitude we have to change. Is people are always in a rush. Yeah. They have, people say to me, I haven't got time to stop or slow down for you. That's what I've had people say to me. And there's a lorry driver, I was having a conversation on Facebook with a lorry driver and he was against us and he said, i got to get from A to B at a certain time. He said, I ain't got time to get out of the way for you guys. And, and unfortunately, that's what it seems to be coming down to. And it's sad because that lorry driver is giving all the other lorry drivers a bad name. All the guys yeah. that do stop and, you know, we are so grateful for the, the time and patience that they have. Yeah. You know, the tractors, the farmers that are understanding, the lorry yeah. drivers, the van men, the, the, the mum and the baby that's driving mm. along with their car that are just, that, that take that two minutes it takes to slow down and pass carefully. It's, I don't think it's a lot to ask. No, not at all. You know, if, if there was a four, five-year-old child cycling its push bike on a country lane out of its mum, you would slow down. They wouldn't drive past a child on its push bike like they do a horse. No. You know, I think sometimes they think if you're on the road, you should be able to deal with it as well. But, you know, when you've got young horses, the only way to get them used to traffic is to take them out on the roads. And, and then we get told off for riding side by side. But when you've got a young horse... You always put the young horse in between the horse and the hedge and Mm. then you can slowly bring it out and get his confidence. But we are allowed to ride side by side and sometimes that's the only way to slow the cars down when you hear them coming up from behind. When I go out on my own on my daughter's pony, they whiz past me. Not now I've got the camera on, but they Mm. used to because they can whiz past you quickly if there's just one of you. If there's three or four of you out, they have to be careful. More they say to us, um, wear high-vis jackets, keep high-vis clothing on the horse, wear a head cam. We, you know, we're, we're doing all the right things. We're wearing all the right equipment. And there is still a, a, a minority. Are they a minority that don't slow down? Or would you say it's the majority of people still don't slow down? That's only the minority. It's not many. But it's the, unfortunately, when you're on a young horse, it's that one that can cause you a lot of problems. I mean... That one incident I had on my horse, he was five, has set me back two or three years on him because I've had to try and get him going forward again when the car comes. Instead of he sees them coming towards him mm. too fast, I have to sort of keep him there. And, and I never had that problem before. But you find that they come, they see you on a long, wide road. They come speeding up and then they stop near enough right in front of you. They go slow. Yeah. But the, the horse has already seen the car speeding up towards you and they're already there thinking if they're a bit nervous. You know, and by that time, it's too late sometimes. Sometimes they just, we need a little bit more time rather than coming up to us, putting their foot on a brake right in front of us, creeping past us and then going off again. I know, but, I know. It's so hard. And it, and it's, it, again, that I think does come down to the education side of things. Yeah. People really understanding, you know, bless the lorry drivers that slow down but are then sat holding the brake on and off, on and off. So, you yes. know, the gas, 
the yeah. gas cylinders of their brakes are going off and you're no, kind of like jumping forwards, jumping sideways, but yeah. you, you don't want to say anything because you're grateful to them that they've actually yeah. stopped in the first place. And then there's the cyclists who are amazing who come past and and they slow down but then it's i call them the the deadly silent cyclists that cycle past really slowly and then change the gears when they're right on your bum and that's what freaks the horses out as well but bless them at least they slow down and and I've got a great relationship with, well, I think I've got a great relationship with the local cyclists. They might not think so, but I shout out to them and say, hi, how are you? And try and spot them and try and get them to talk when they're quite far away, which means that by the time they come near the horse, they're, or get near the horse, they're not so scary. So no. once, once you've taken this to Parliament then, we need to get you, 100,000 people need to sign the petition. Mm-hmm. I've signed it. I'll happily say that I've signed that and I know that a lot of my friends have because I've been making sure that they do and we're going to post that on Horse Hour as well so that hopefully the Horse Hour followers will will sign it too once we get 100,000 we take it to Parliament or your MP does and then they vote as to whether the legislation will be changed yes yeah is there a chance that we can get the driving tests changed too I don't know about that one that'll have to be discussed I guess my MP is still going to be to and in for me and the transport minister um, because he's going to keep us updated about the Think Horse campaign that he said that he would do. Oh, what's that? Well, I like the Think Cyclist campaign and I don't know if you've seen on TV they're doing the Driving with Drugs campaign at mm-hmm. the moment. Yes. Where he said he could do a Think Horse campaign for us. Oh, brilliant. So that would educate people. So, yeah, so that, that's really good. That would so be a, that. yeah. That would be a great campaign, and I presume yeah. that will have again TV campaigns and posters and adverts yeah. and you know all the social media advertising. It's exact. It's exactly yeah. what we need. And you know, you're a mum at home that <laughs> just has horses that yeah. has literally <laughs> taken this campaign and running with it. So thank you, thank you, Debbie, because we need somebody like you to be fighting our corner for us. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't think that it would be taken so seriously by everyone, but, you know, everybody's just come together. And like you say, we all, every horse rider has that problem. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I've been in touch with Lucinda Fredericks, and she said she's had, you know, nearly close misses, and she signed it, and she's she shared it for me, um, you know, which is great. It's not just us. It is a lot of these top riders as well that have these experiences on the road. Absolutely. And a lot of people have stopped riding on the roads, which is wrong because it shouldn't be like that. We no. shouldn't have to stop riding. Exactly. And some of us have no choice but to ride on the road no. to get to the places where we can hack or get to, like, I have to ride on the road to get to the school. And yeah. it's the only way to rehabilitate my horse. I need to school him. And, mm. you know, circumstances, it's so easy to say, well, just stick him in a field where there's a school or just put him there or just yeah. just keep your horse where there are no roads. There are roads everywhere, of course. You, you have to go on the roads to get from one bridle way to the other bridle way. Yes. You know, so, I mean, that's just the way it is. You, these people, drivers have just got to accept that we are on the roads and we've got as much right to use them as a walker, a cyclist or a driver. And then you get this argument about you don't pay road tax. Well, there is no road tax. It's emission tax. And my dad's just come up, actually, to visit us and he's just bought a new car. Mm-hmm. He doesn't pay any tax on that new car. So 
are these drivers, are they going to go and run him off the road because he doesn't pay tax when he's driving on the roads? Exactly. So. And that's because of the low emissions. It's the new Audis, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've seen those as well. Yeah. And it's not just the riders, it's the horse and carriages too. I mean, look at poor Mark Evans of what yeah. happened to him a few weeks ago. It's just yeah. heartbreaking. He's doing his job. He's going mm-hmm. to work. He just happens to use horses for his work. Yeah. And and for those that don't know, Mark Evans is a funeral carriage. He offers a funeral carriage service. And he was in the middle of a funeral procession at the time when a lady tried to overtake. Now, one, you don't overtake a funeral procession, whether it's a horse and carriage or whether it's in a car, but Mm. she did. And then what she did was she cut in too early and she hit the lead horse. And Mark got thrown out of his carriage and Mm. and he was badly injured as well. And the whole thing was totally traumatic and could easily have been avoided. One, with a little bit of patience, and two, with understanding that... it's It's also ruined his business now as well. You know, because he's yeah. only got the one horse now. I know, it's so sad. And we hear of stories like that more and more, all the time. Like we said in the beginning, you know, the two donkeys that were killed in the new forest because of an idiot driver. Then there was mm-hmm. another horse. And, I mean, I can think of five off the top of my head, five incidents that I've had yeah. with drivers. And you've probably had loads of incidents mm-hmm. with drivers. And like I said earlier, it's a shame that the minority are making it so difficult and giving a bad name for the majority because out of 10 cars that go past or mm. 10, 10 vehicles that go past, nine will slow down yeah. and oh, will yeah. be nice. And they'll be, yeah. they'll be smiling and they'll be waving mm. and we say, thank you so much. And then there'll be the one that gives you abuse, gives you the finger or is tutting mm. or is on their mobile phone and then just driving really fast past yeah. is, it's, yeah. and, and I've got this really bad habit now of like waving my arm and it's probably it is I know it's the worst thing to do but I can't help it I will ride in the middle of the road yeah. because I'm thinking well if I can see you that far away mm-hmm. if you can't get past me then you've got no option yeah and it's probably in fact I know not the safest thing but I have no other way of getting them to slow down no. because waving your arm some drivers don't even realise that that means slow down. They think you're abusing they wave. them. They wave yes. at you sometimes. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. After after I had the accident on my horse, because he's, he's, he's a very intelligent horse, mm. um, which is part of the problem, because trying to remove that one incident has been, like, really difficult, because he sort of remembers it. And then I got to a point, I was putting my arm out to wave cast to drive slow down. Mm slow down but then he worked out that every time I waved my arm up and down there was a car coming oh my god! so then he would start getting upset so oh. I couldn't even put my arm out to wave the cars to slow down because <laughs> I'd go out into the road like you say and you know with my arm and he he just learned there's a car coming now. And the other thing I think that sometimes drivers don't realise is that we don't want to be in their way. We don't want to be slowing them down and, and being a nuisance. No. We we try and ride at times when we can. We've got to work as well. Mm. You know, we can only ride around work because we've got to pay the bills. We genuinely don't do it just to annoy them. No. And if anything, we'd rather not see cars and we'd rather not see drivers it's it's we're not doing it on purpose and i think some people maybe think that we do it on purpose and we really don't so the campaign yeah. it's not about having a go at drivers no. <laughs> it's not no. about having a go at cyclists it's about awareness awareness. awareness and also you know having 
people that are riding um, have good manners back to the car and make sure they thank the drivers that do slow down because mm-hmm. it's just courtesy at the end of the day and it's just just saying thank you it doesn't take any time yes so you know all riders as well have to be polite and just say thank you just a nod i can't take my hands off the reins because of the issues i've had with my horse mm. so just a nod or my daughter thanks them but yeah so it's an awareness all round, really so what's the plan now then what what are you going to do well i say write a letter to my mp as soon as i can and um approach him about taking it to parliament and seeing how best to get it debated And what do we need to say? If we were to write to our MPs, what do we need to say? Well, I always say to just tell them that your experiences and how you feel intimidated when you're out on the roads and and why we need this implemented to make it safe for us. You know, I mean, the roads are a lot busier now than what they were 20 years ago. Mm. And a lot of the heavy traffic takes shortcuts through the country lanes to get off of the busy main roads. That's what we have here a lot. They cut through. We get big lorries coming down these country lanes. Yes. But yeah, just just right from their heart, really. Do you think we should be looking at opening up some more bridleways too? It would be nice to keep the ones open that we've already got, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I mean, I'm on a bridleway society as well for West Cornwall. There's a lot of work that goes on. Um, but all the maps are changing in 26, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, yeah, all the bridleways, all the maps, the footpaths, bridleways and byways are all being revamped. So the British Horse Society at the moment, they're, they're asking people to track all the tracks that they ride, whether they're bridleways or not, mm-hmm. and let the BHS know so that when they redo the maps, we can put, we'll re-ride on that one, re-ride on that one, re-ride on that one, and link them all up. Oh, brilliant. There's a lot of bridleways out there at the moment where you can only go halfway down and then it turns into a footpath. Oh, okay. That's, that's because one parish council would have made it into a bridle path. Mm-hmm. The next parish council would have made it into a footpath. So you've got a path you can't go down. So mm. all that will be updated. But we just need to make sure, as horse riders, that we make enough noise and enough fuss because we we'd get forgotten about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we and, and believe it or not, but one lady in the council that works with the path system, she said the ramblers get all their paths sorted out. She said for one reason and one reason only. She said because they make a big noise about it. Mm. She said, believe it or not, you horse riders are quite quiet in the background. <laughs> so we need to be emailing the councils if there's a blocked path. If people don't do that, mm. they're not seen to be important. Yes, yeah. You know, so everybody should be, if there's a blocked path or having trouble with a farmer, email the county council. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and make them know that these paths are important. Because ultimately we just want to be safer, don't we? Yes, yeah. And if we have more better paths, then we wouldn't be on the road so much at the end of the day. Because some people have this attitude, and again, it's changing the attitude, that we're a pain in the ass, um, we're in people's way, we're ruining their lives, we're just causing a fuss, and we're making a big deal out of things. But really, it's a means to an end. If we want to get out of your way. We don't want to yeah. be, when we're horse riding, we want to be with the, the nature, and we want to be in the woods and the forest. Yeah. We don't want, yeah. we want to get away from the hustle and bustle of daily life. We genuinely yeah. don't, don't do it to annoy people. Um, it's because it's the only way we can get 
to where we want to ride. Yeah, what problem we have here is that we have a big farm, a big riding area, and then the owner person will die and it'll be handed down to the next generation. Mm. Well, then the next generation come along and say, I don't want horses coming through here anymore, and they shut the gates. Mm. That's another issue that seems to be happening up here a lot. Yeah. You can't do anything about private, private land, though, can you? No, no. I mean, we've got one byway. It's a byway that goes all the way through for about two miles, and there's paths leading off of that, which we've ridden for years and years and years. But because the maps are so old and so updated, there's, mm. you know, because we have historical rights to ride some of these paths as well. Oh, the really? Just shut us out. Yeah. If a path's been ridden for more than 20 years, hmm. you have a historical right to ride on that path. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah. And then it makes it easier then to put the, the path on a definitive map. Yeah. But the, the, the goal right now is we've got 73,000 signatures. <laughs> And we need to get 100,000. So that's the first goal. The second goal from getting all those signatures is then we go to Parliament and then they can battle it out. And hopefully there's a few MPs in there that understand. And if we've written to our MPs in the meantime and written to the police, we just need to get as many people talking about this as possible. And then all we're asking for is for the limit to be maximum 15 miles per hour. See, I think you've been lenient there. Wow, yeah. I would have said, you know, five miles an hour. If you think five yeah. miles an hour is actually quite fast, 50 miles an hour is very fast. Well, yeah, but 50 miles an hour, again, then say it depends on what road you're on. Mm. Um, I get the argument about you say pass wide and slow, and if you're on a narrow country lane, they can't go wide. But then you've still got to be careful. It, stop, let us walk by, and then carry on. Mm. Mm. You know, it's, it's a difficult one to pin down. If, I think if I put down like five miles per hour, that would really aggravate people then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you hope that at least it's being recognised that we do need a, a maximum speed limit past them and, and widely as well. Yeah, yeah. And they need to know how wide is wide. Because there was a, another driver that drove past me the other day, literally just a few days ago, and he gave me probably a foot distance. Yeah. I nearly hit That's, the wing mirror. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, sorry, rant here, but then he stopped the car and said, have you got a problem? And I said, yes, I have got a problem. You've just nearly hit me. And, you know, and I don't want to be aggressive or angry or shout. I'm just like, you just need to understand that you can't drive that close to a horse. It's going to, you could kill me, the horse or yourself. Yeah. Again, I mean, driving wide, you drive wide enough so that if a horse spooks, it's not going to kick your car. Exactly. It's, it's common sense, really. You don't want, surely they, these drivers, they don't want their car kits, but I think they just think they can just get out of the way quick and do a runner. Mm. But that's why everybody has to get head cams. And you yeah. can get them quite cheaply now. You don't have to have the big posh GoPro ones to ride with now. I know Lidl's do one for about £35. Do they? Which is supposed to be very good. Yeah, there, there's a few listed on my Pass Wide and Slow group page that mm-hmm. people have been using yeah you can get them reasonable now i mean instead of going out and buying a nice new rug or something maybe treat yourself to a camera <laughs> yeah 
I always think my camera now is as much of a safety aspect as my body protector or my hat mm. because it's diverting an accident from happening as they see it. Yeah, I read an interesting thing on your Facebook the other day because I've got a head cam and it wasn't, it's not one of the GoPro ones. It was, I think it was 60 pounds off Amazon or something like that. Um, and I was going to wear it on my chest because I've got a chest yeah. plate that goes with it. And I was going out that day and I thought, oh, instead of wearing it on my helmet, I'm going to wear it on my chest today. And I got it all ready and made sure that it fitted and everything. Then I read you posted something and yeah, I, on, yeah. on Pass Wide and so on Facebook. And then I read that it said, don't wear them on your chest because it's not as easy to turn around and see drivers if it's on your chest because you can't turn your yeah. whole body around. Whilst if you've got it on your head, you can get the number plates, you can you can look left and right. Yeah, if I hear a car coming up behind me quite fast, I just turn around to look at it so I've got it on my camera. Mm. Um, with a chest one, obviously all you're going to get is what's in front of you. Yes, yeah. So, But, you know, it's what people want to do at the end of the day. But for me... I always turn around if there's a car coming behind me to let them know that I acknowledge that they're there anyway. Mm. I always sort of like thank them. So, mm. um, And then finally, we need to somehow let people know that beeping horns is not going to make us go any quicker. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's only going to make the situation a hundred times worse because you will have freaked out our horse. And by this time, we're either in the bush or we're in the middle of the road. So yeah. it's up to you. How much time do you want to waste? It always makes me laugh because we're out riding around the country lanes and you, you hear a car beeping and you know they're beeping because they're going around a tight corner. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if you're beeping, you're going too fast because you should be able to be ready to stop anyway. Yes. Yeah. So... By beeping, you're not really, you might be alerting a car a mile ahead of you that you're there, mm-hmm. but you should still be driving slow enough to stop anyway. Yes. Yeah, and we're riding down there and it's beep, 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 and I'm like, it's getting closer. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> I need to slow down. 
then you don't need to be pure. Interestingly, a lot of people blame the younger drivers and they say, oh, it's the younger drivers driving. I actually haven't had that issue. It's the more middle-aged, older drivers that I really yeah. struggle with. You get the 70 plus that drive really slowly anyway. So they're amazing because they're, you know, they, they, mm. they slow down. But then also I quite often find when you get to that age group, they don't even sometimes look at you sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> they're driving slow down the road. <laughs> And I say to my daughter, I said, well, she hasn't even acknowledged that we're even here. No, she hasn't even seen us. <laughs> I think that's quite funny. But we've got one one young chap locally here that scared two girls in the last month. Um, both young girls, 16-year-old. Mm. Um, and he came up behind and revved their engine. Um, and I think then he will spun past one. And then on the other instance, he revved the wheel spun, came reverse back, and oh then drove off again. Oh. But they didn't, you know, I'm waiting for him to come past me because I want to get him on my camera. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I haven't met him yet, which I'm quite pleased about. If I was on my daughter's pony, it wouldn't be a problem. But but then I won't, don't ride my horse out on his own anyway. But yeah, so I need to catch him. <laughs> mm. That's my mission now. But he really scared the girls. You know, and they should be like you say. They should be able to go out and enjoy their hobby. Horses are a lovely hobby for kids. It keeps them occupied, keeps them off the streets. Yes, you know, I mean, yes. it's, and they learn how to look after a loving animal. I mean, what better hobby can you have, really? Yeah, definitely. And um, maybe another route in the future is to go into schools and start educating them, like we educate them on drugs and sex. And I know horses yeah. aren't as as they they aren't seen as that much of a big deal, but maybe they should be. Mm. And then they're edu- they're educated on how to ride a bike correctly on the road. Mm. Cycle. They they're taught that at school. They got the cycle awareness at school for the week. Well, why can't they have a horse awareness week for yes. the kids? Yeah. And explain to them, and, you know, that's, you know, that'd be great. And the it's cyclists just... are funny because they get their fair share of, of hassle from drivers do, as yeah. well. And it is very much a hierarchy. So you've got the lorry drivers there at the top because they're big and scary. And you really, yeah. you, you would shout at a lorry driver, but you wouldn't really mess with a lorry driver. Um, then you've got the vans, then you've got the cars, then you've got the cyclists, and then you've got us at the bottom of yeah. the pile. And you... And, and I think that's why maybe a lot of uh, cyclists have been quite understanding and have been very respectful because they get their fair share of trouble too. Yes, yeah, I mean, they're in the same boat as us, really, aren't they? They're very vulnerable on the roads. Yeah. Well, good luck. I Thank really, you. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really hope we make it and we get it to Parliament. We will post the link to the campaign. It's called Pass Wide and Slow. We'll post yep. the link on Horse Hour tonight. Okay. We need as many shares. Can you get shares outside of the UK as well? Can you get people to sign it outside of the UK? Well, I have had people from Australia and New Zealand sign it as well. And I've had people from New Zealand that have said, oh, I wish I had somebody up here doing this because they suffer. It's, it's not just us. It's just worldwide mm. for everybody. Well, that's great because it's almost like you're setting a precedent now that if we change the law in the UK, people can then go to their governments and say, look, this has happened in the UK, it's serious, let's yeah. do it in Australia, let's change the law over here. Um, yeah. Which is great because a lot of our listeners are from America and Australia yeah. and Germany. And so you can sign it too. Thank you very yeah. much. We'll be very, very grateful. I mean, as, as you know, I'm just a mum. You know, we've got our own business. 
uh, I just thought, oh, I'll start a petition and it's just gone haywire, really. Well, you thank know, you. No. Thank you very so. much for, for leading and heading this up, Debbie, because it's brilliant brilliant idea and a brilliant cause and we need it definitely so please keep us updated i will do let us know when we've hit the hundred thousand let us know what happens when it goes to parliament and um if we want to connect with you then we can connect with you on facebook yes past ride and slow group okay and have you got a twitter account yet well i have got a twitter account it's past ride and slow but i'm not very good on twitter at the moment (laughs) i haven't quite got the hang of it So we'll head to the Facebook page and that's where yeah, we can get regular yeah, updates. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Debbie. Take care. Okay, bye. Thank you. I want to introduce Lucy Catan, who's the founder of the British Grooms Association. Lucy, how are you? Uh, good, thank you. Now, you're a little bit busy there because you've got a four-month-old baby, real cute little daughter called Millie. Yep, little Millie. Um, born on the 26th of October and supposed to be asleep right. now, but... <laughs> absolutely wide awake (laughs) that's girls for you (laughs) yeah so hopefully she'll be well behaved (laughs) oh bless her Um, how are you managing like with work and looking after Millie as well (laughs) that's how um it's a juggle it's a big juggle but my life is always a juggle because I have a full-time job as well as running British Grooms Association and therefore it's it's always a juggle of evenings and weekends for running BGA. Mm. I always find it really inspiring mums that, you know, carry on working and they they manage to do it because it's hard work. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's no hands and uh, it's uh, it's not easy. Peter Rabbit's a great TV programme. Oh, really? <laughs> and no sleep as well. No. Um, so I take it you're into horses. Have you always ridden? I've always ridden. Um, I've ridden all my life. My dad is actually Dutch and he rode horses in the army when he was uh, in his younger years and introduced me and my brother to horses when we were quite young. Um, and I always did it, ended up doing it professionally. And now I have absolutely nothing to do with horses at all. Oh, really? British grooms. I live in cent- uh, well, uh, southwest London and I work in town and I haven't ridden for about four years now. Oh. Or pretty much seen a horse apart from on a race course once in a while. So, Do you miss it? I do, but my passion is running British Grooms Association. Mm. And actually, that's not really about horses. It's about people, yeah. um, as in the grooms. So um, I leave the expert horse parts to uh, my colleagues, uh, Liz Daniels and Fee Bowton, who run it with me. So um, I deal with the running of the business. Okay, so what is the British Grooms Association? So we're a professional membership organisation for equine grooms for people that work with horses we founded in 2009 um i raised about twenty-five thousand pounds worth of funding through an organization called unlimited which is the foundation for social entrepreneurs mm. so i'm a social entrepreneur <laughs> but ultimately what, what that means is i want to make changes in my world to make it a better place so my world being the world of grooms which is the profession I used to do Mm. and I wanted to make it a better place so that was when BGA was formed and yeah we're this is our ninth year so congratulations (laughs) thank you were there issues that you saw within your grooming industry then that you say you want to make changes what was it particularly that you wanted to change well my background was that I was a dressage groom and I worked for some great people, but I also worked for a couple of not so great people, to mm. be honest, where 
one case in particular where I was very badly bullied and then unfairly dismissed. And at the time, I had absolutely no one to turn to. I didn't want to turn to my parents because you just don't when you're 19 years old, 20 years old. You you know, you don't want to go to them. No, because you want to be independent and you've gone out on your own and you found your own job and you want to make a career for yourself. And it's almost like a little bit of pride, isn't it, that you, you don't want to go back to them. Absolutely. But at the same time, Lucy, it's, you know, you get people being bullied in so many working environments and it's not on it shouldn't happen oh absolutely so I came up with the idea that there was there needed to be a body if that's the term an organization for grooms to be able to go to and I found I I created British Grooms Association and now we have over over a thousand members um, and we have also introduced the employer's zone and we have nearly 200 250 employers on the employer zone so yeah and the employers then how does it work so for the employer zone the reason we created the employer zone is because we recognize that there's uh, a lot of em- people that employ staff in the equine industry and there was also nobody to help them mm. so um we and we kept getting phone calls from employers saying can you help us can you help us you know how do we do this how do we do that so we created the Employers Zone, which is a ni- about a 90-page guide on our website on how to employ staff. And they can download contracts of employment, um, letters for every single scenario, and all for a bargain basement price of t- just £29.50 for the year. Uh, we've just signed a deal with a new solicitors called Dutton Gregory, mm-hmm. who are going to provide extra advice to the Employers Zone. And they also going to get a monthly e-newsletter, which will keep them up to date with any changes in legislation or oh, brilliant. changes in national minimum wage. Yeah, because it does change all the time. Changes and all the time. that whole employment thing is, is really tough to stick with. And it's also hard to keep staff. So one thing's employing them. But the first thing you do is make sure that you employ the right person, the right type of people to work for you. And then it's looking after them and them enjoying their work enough as well that they want to stay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the employer zone deals with everything from the interviews, well, start right at the beginning, the the job descriptions that you need to write, you're going to employ someone, the interviews, whether to run a trial period, uh, how much you have to pay them, what happens if you want to give them accommodation. And you find, I mean, it's interesting because now we, for the first time ever, we actually have some super grooms out there as they're they're known, Um, the likes of Jackie Potts and Jenny Ellis and Alan Davis. And these are guys and girls that, well, men and women, really, that have been doing the job for many, many years. And all three of those have stuck with their employers. And there's a reason for that, because Mm. they're employed correctly and they're treated with respect and recognition for their skills and their excellence. Um, And, you know, employing staff is an expensive business, especially if you're going through recruitment agencies. So it makes no sense to employ somebody and then employ them illegally and have to start the whole process again because this person leaves. Mm. It's a great idea because a lot of people, they kind of fall into that business. You know, they love the horses, they love working with them, and they see that they can make a bit of money and um, and then they then they get busy and then they think, okay, well, I better get on some staff. But actually, there aren't that many people there to help the employers and say, this is, this is the best way to get the best out of people. Um, they need training, the employers, the employees need training. And it's all that HR is just like a minefield. Absolutely. And that's why we, uh, we now run training days with uh, support from British Eventing. 
and also with our sponsors, um, Butler's Accountancy and KBIS, we just ran a, a day up in Doncaster and we had 21 employers there from uh, eventing, show jumping and dressage. Now, they were all excellent riders, but in their own admission, none of them knew how to employ staff. Mm. No one had ever trained them and they had no idea where to start. So it's really great that now we can reach out and give the employers the support they need because it's not a choice to employ correctly. It's mm. actually a legal requirement. Um, and, and it's a massive responsibility. And when you take on that responsibility, I think they, they feel pressure. They want to get it right too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what we do with the British Grooms Association. We're there for the grooms predominantly, but we're also there to support the employers. So how do you help with the grooms? What, what does that involve? So grooms, the way we help with grooms is, um, first of all, we... Uh, invite them to become members rather mm-hmm. than ask them to become members. Uh, so we only help our members. We're quite strict on that. We get lots of requests of questions on through Facebook and Twitter, but we actually only respond uh, to direct questions from members. Mm-hmm. Um, so we offer four, five levels of membership. Uh, membership starts from £19.50 for the year. And the membership includes four magazines a year, which is British Grooms magazine, which is quite a popular little publication because it's talk. It's the only magazine in the world that talks directly to grooms. Yeah. And they have on the website a whole section called My Job, which is all about the, the way that they're employed so they can go and dip in and get their own information. Um, but we're also there to help them um, regularly. We'll, we'll sit on the phone and talk through somebody's situation, mm-hmm. whatever the issue might be from I haven't been allowed to take any holiday to I'm being bullied by another member of staff, whatever it might be. We're, we're, in a, we're an understanding ear on the end of the phone. It's impartial email. as well. So, you know, you're not emotionally attached to the situation. You don't know anybody. They can trust you. And, and you can give that kind of, yeah, impartial advice. Absolutely. And uh, then they get we do a few discounts from preferred suppliers. And most importantly, they're part of something. And mm. we have many of our members. We do, do th- th- Actually, that's really important to them. And we do a six-month satisfaction survey for our members. And we didn't realize how important belonging to something was to our members. And actually, it's really interesting because it's one of the most the highest percentage of the reasons why they join the BGA is to belong to their professional association, which is great because that's what we are about. It's about bringing together the community of grooms and giving them the respect and the recognition for the profession that they are part of. Mm. Well, it's a tough job being a groom. I, I, you know, I can't hold my hands up and say I've ever done it. I haven't, but I've, you know, met a lot that work their backsides off. You know, they're the ones that are up at four o'clock in the morning, getting the horses ready, making sure they're clean. It, what else goes into being a groom? Absolutely. I mean, being a groom, I can only talk from my own experience, but being a groom is a great job. You're outside, you're doing your hobby, you're doing what you love, what you enjoy, um, and you're keeping fit. I'm, I have to go to the gym nowadays to keep fit, <laughs> but when you're working with horses, you're out there. But you also, what something we're very passionate about is that you're also gaining a whole load of transferable skills, which can actually be used in any industry. And a good groom is an excellent timekeeper. Their attention to detail is sky high. They've got great work ethic um, and they're never late. They're, you know, they're always on time. And these are the skills that any, any employer 
in any industry would desire, to be honest with you. Mm. So at the British Grooms Association, we're very much there for the career grooms, as in those that, you know, do it into their 40s, 50s, 60s. Our oldest member is 73 years old, I believe. Oh, really? Yep, a hunt groom called uh, Mr. John Suckling. Uh, he's been with us for many years, passionate about what he does. But also we'll have many that belong to us for a period of time whilst they're doing horses as per I did. And then they might decide to have a change of career. And we, on our website, we give them a lot of advice on how to change career, how to write your CV, bringing to the front of the CV your transferable skills. For mm -hmm. example, if you write down, I manage the feed room, a potential employer not in the equine world, that means nothing to them. Yes. However, if you write that you are proficient in stock control, suddenly it means something. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, so that, that's, what, that's really what we do for our members. Our other um, membership options include personal accident insurance. And about 75% of our members now take membership with the, the KBIS personal accident insurance. And there's varying levels. But it's something we're quite passionate about, especially mm. for the freelancers. Because if you work with horses, you need to protect yourself. Yes, yeah. And if you are a freelancer and you get injured, which is possible because horses are stupid four-legged animals that <laughs> hurt you sometimes, and if they do hurt you, they could really hurt you. If you're a freelancer, you will receive no statutory sick pay. Mm. So we offer our members, uh, we've negotiated excellent deals with KBIS and we offer our members discounted personal access insurance. So let's say somebody was, you were thinking about becoming a groom, what would you, what, what kind of things do you need? What experience do you need? If, if we're talking like you're starting, you're starting out and you're thinking, right, that's the career path that I want to take. Where do you start? Well, that's a good question because the answer, what would have been, perhaps a few years ago, how I started out versus what the answer now is. Possibly is a bit different, but uh, I mean, many go through the equine colleges, to be honest, mm. uh, and then end up working in yards from that route because qualifications are necessary. Having said that, you can also do an, an apprenticeship through somebody like Haddon Training, um, mm -hmm. one of the leaders in, in apprenticeships. You can earn whilst you learn, is the phrase. So I uh, in the old days, you would literally tip, tip up to a yard and say, employ me, can I work for you? Yes. But I think that nowadays, an education, I mean, certainly when you leave school at 16, you can't leave school at 16, you have to be in education until you're 18. And I think that to get some qualifications behind you is a really good thing. So I would say that um, either through the college route or my preferred route, through the apprenticeship route, get out there, find yourself an apprenticeship, and 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 uh, and get onto a yard and start to build your skills. Qualifications, having said that, will not make the best grooms. And some of the very best grooms out there have absolutely no qualifications. And all of the top grooms will tell you that the skills and the attributes of a top groom are, which has to really be built into your to, built in at an early stage, is the desire to work hard. Mm. Um, to have a little bit eyes on the back of your head, you know, be be thinking. But good grooms don't walk around yards and walk past forks that have fallen on the floor. Yeah, or no, past. they're proactive. You know, you're proactive. You're tidying up as you're going along. You, you, you're on the ball because, as a top competition groom, that's absolutely what you've got to be. Mm. Um, and good grooms will also listen and they want to learn. And 
uh, I, I cannot recommend enough that if you if you are an aspiring grooming, you're working on a yard, ask questions. Um, start to you know if you think your plaits are not good enough, ask. Will you spend an hour with me and teach me how to plait better? Mm. Because people are shy and they don't ask, and there's not and and you'll find that the more experienced older grooms actually really enjoy passing on their knowledge, uh, but. Also, I do say to people that are keen to learn, don't be afraid to volunteer yourself once in a while. You'd be amazed who would quite merrily stick you in their horse box if they were going off to somewhere or other. <laughs> yeah. um, it, you know, make it clear between both parties it's a voluntary position for just that day or that weekend but the skills that you can gain in that and let's be honest we could all do with as much help as possible when we're taking our horses out there's so much to think about that it's nice to have an extra pair of hands even if it's just to carry the hay just to get that experience absolutely absolutely and 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 you know belong to your professional association as in the british grooms association because you'll learn from other grooms you know what they do we're always writing about uh, not just competition grooms. We have stunt grooms. We have veterinary grooms. We have hunt grooms. Uh, we have grooms that work in not just in the stunts, but in actually in film. Oh wow! Where do they work? One girl. We did it an article in a couple of magazines ago, and she works for a yard where the horses are used in in TV. Because there's one up in Hertfordshire that they film in. I know the guy that runs it's called Sam. I wish I could remember the name of his company, but um. They do a lot at Hatfield House. So they're, I think they're even in Downton Abbey. Some of the horses used in film programmes like Downton Abbey. There's quite a few of those yards around. So even if your passion is eventing and you start off with your passion as eventing, be, be open to other ideas. There's so many great ways that you can work with horses. And of course, the, the, uh, what many people do is they end up working in horse racing. And Oh, that's interesting. Why do they end up doing that? Because if you work in racing, the condition, the working conditions and the money earning potential can be far greater. Um, if you end up working on a yard, something like Paul Nichols, you know, you, by the time the pool money comes in, which is the, the split on the money that the yard has won over the year. Mm. So a yard could win up to, I don't know, three or four, five, ten million pounds. Then a percentage is split down to the stable staff of that yard at the end of the year. So you can be, getting a nice one two three k bonus um which is which is great stuff if you are a <laughs> i'm in the wrong industry i know <laughs> but it's hard work if you work in racing you are you are a tough groom I, I have a lot of respect for any grooms that work in racing it's a tough job because you are up early and you will have long days when you go racing but the work the 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 employment conditions are far better than the rest of the equine world in general as in um the the amount that you learn and your time off is is much more regimented because it's a reg, more regimented industry and it's not just about making the horses look pretty you know it's not just about cleaning them and plaiting their hair they also have to ride them in racing or yeah general in in general um you know the hunting grooms the, their responsibility are the, the the hunting horses they have to make sure they're exercised absolutely absolutely and look again across across the piece i mean that's part of the role of a groom there are some grooms out there that do not ride and that's you know that's not unheard of but in general that's part of the role of, of the groom and the interesting thing that comes up sometimes is the the split between a groom and a rider i'll give you an example we have people that phone us up at the BJ because they want personal accident insurance. And they say, I'm a rider. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, 
our personal accident insurance is for grooms. We don't yet have a rider's policy. Well, I groom as well, they then say, because they want the personal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit what, what you do. I ask them, do you muck out? Yes. Do you feed? Yes. Do you hay? Yes. Do you brush the horses? Yes. Do you pick out their feet? Yes. And you can see where this is going. We carry on. How many horses do you ride a day? Three. How many horses do you groom a day? Seven. Um, so by the time of the end of the conversation, we actually agree that this person is a groom and not ah, a rider. Oh, I see. And therefore, they are uh, eligible to take out the personal accident insurance. But what's interesting is that this has happened less and less over the years because the respect for the position and job title mm. as a groom is growing. And especially when you've got the likes of Alan Davis, who grooms for Charlotte Dujardin, and Jackie Potts, who grooms for, for William Fox Pitt, and they term that they are grooms and they are proud grooms. Um, it's great because people start to have a lot more respect for the job title. Yes, yeah. But instead of saying, I'm a rider who happens to also be a groom, it's actually, I'm a groom who happens to also ride a bit. Well, it's great because we're all getting, we're all taking more pride in that role in, in the, the, and there's a lot more respect in the amount of effort that goes into it and how hard these guys work. It's not just a case of, you know, rocking up. I think there used to be a bit of a stigma about being a groom and you were, I don't want to insult anyone in any way, but years ago you were a groom if you didn't make it as a rider. Absolutely. But now... The other way around. It's completely... Yeah, it's now... It's No, no, I, I ride as well, um, but I love being... I love every part of looking after a horse. It's not... I'm not just going to rock up and sit on it and ride. And now the stigma's turning around where it's actually... If you just rock up with the horse saddles and expect to get on and ride, you're not getting that partnership with the horse. You're not building a bond, bond with the horse. You're not making enough effort to have have the joy of riding that horse does that make sense absolutely the, the sad thing is that unfortunately there are still out there employers that employ their staff illegally and they're not in the tens of they're not even in the hundreds of there are still thousands that in You're our industry kidding. no without any doubt without any doubt um, what are they doing and, are they employing underage kids are they employing... no it's it's all to do with um paying so they're not, they won't they're not paying the national minimum wage which is a legal requirement they won't have contracts of employment for them which again is a legal requirement therefore they the staff end up not having their holiday entitlement which again is a legal requirement um and it goes on so and then you get the situations of the working pupils where uh there's a lot of promises and they rarely come through. Mm. So what happens is it ends in tears. And that I find very sad because in this day and age, that shouldn't be happening. And these employers that do this, and I'm not, there are some excellent employers out there, but there are also a few that do this. And I think that's very sad because invariably that, um, that young person, groom, then drops out of the industry. Yeah enough we're not doing this anymore i'm working for peanuts i can't do this anymore mm. and that's a real shame and that's still a real problem in the industry and that's why we we want to help and support and educate those employers it's frustrating for the people that are, are employing correctly as well because they're doing everything right and you know these other people come in and are breaking all the rules and, and it's not fair absolutely and again we speak to many employers and we do feel really sorry for those employers that do employ their staff for excellent positions. Mm. I had somebody the other day, they got a, uh, they were pay, paying above the national minimum wage. It was a five and a half day week. They had a beautiful flat to live in. They could take their own horse. 
and it went on and on. It was a lovely job for somebody. It really was. But she was really struggling to find a decent, good, you know, somebody that wanted to come and, and not just stay for six months, but actually stay for a sustainable period of time. Mm. So, yeah, it's a, it, it's a challenge and it's a, it's a Titanic of a ship that we have to turn around, but hopefully we're, we're, we're turning it. <laughs> so can you actually find jobs on the British Groom Association website? You can. We have a job board, which is a very simple uh, mechanism of really a classified ads. But what we don't do is we don't find jobs for grooms or uh, find staff for employers, as in we're not a recruitment agency. We're not involved in that. Uh, we leave that to the experts. That's not what we do. But we do offer a job board, which is very popular and very popular with the employers because they know that the grooms that are looking at it are professional grooms that are looking at, at that job board. Mm. So it's well received. And it's great because you give advice on, you know, if you are looking for a job, like you said, everything that you everything that you could possibly need to really make a go of having a career as a groom. That's where you come in to support them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's about professionalism. And that's professionalism from the groom as well, because when we hear the stories of a groom that does a midnight flip because they don't like the job and they just put everything in the back of the car and disappear, you know, that's that's not clever. Uh, we don't endorse that. If you if you want to leave your job, then do it professionally. Mm-hmm. Notice, work your notice and leave on good terms. And now, of course, there's the old situation where when one has been employed unfairly, uh, then we have to have a discussion with the individual and decide the best way for them to leave that yard but it's about professionalism and that's not just the way that one looks after their horses it's how it's they conduct themselves how they conduct yeah. themselves and how they conduct themselves around owners and on their social media and really being a professional individual oh, it's fascinating because i'm saying to people all the time what you put out there on facebook and social media is is almost like having a massive banner and shouting to the world this is what you're saying so, you know, if they go around saying bad things about their employers, their employer's going to see that, you know, oh, my employer said this to me today or did this. Da, da, da. They forget, I think, sometimes that social media is a public forum and it Absolutely. is public. Absolutely. And we've just done, uh, we did it last year. We did a jokey um, top 10, 10 points about beware of dating a groom. So last night we did uh, Beware of Becoming a Groom mm-hmm. down the line. And we love social media. It's great. We put this out on our Facebook page last night at 7 o'clock. We've now reached 220,000 people. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's as good as going viral for us. With... What, what are the top 10? So you can find this on our Facebook page. Uh, uh, put British Grooms in and you'll find it. Um, so top 10 is Beware of Becoming a Groom. Want to know what really being a groom is like? One, your hands will never be the same again, ever. If you want hands like a farmer and nails that don't come clean without bleach, then this is a job for you. Um, I like two because I remember this for sure. Going to the supermarket in your yard clothes, smelling like a stable. <laughs> perfectly acceptable. And what's more, we just don't care. And it goes on. Uh, but it's very true. We all used to, to, used to smell. Uh, and this number nine's great. Um, your stables and your horses always look super tidy. Just don't ask to see the inside of my car. <laughs> I might need need those spare gloves, socks, hats, chocolate wrappers, empty cans of Red Bull. <laughs> it's so true. 
it's also true. And Liz Daniels writes it. Uh, she's excellent. She she edits our magazine, and she's she's a northern lass with a with a good sense of humour, and she writes these things ever so well. What's so, the one on the, the top ten on dating dating a groom? Bear with me a second, and I, <laughs> I will find it. We do, we do all go to the, you know, we go to the the local shop in our yard stuff, and you do think sometimes, oh gosh, my, you know, no makeup on, you've been in the pouring rain, you smell, you look bad, and generally you wouldn't, you wouldn't dream of seeing anybody looking in that state. But it's okay if you're in your your yard clothes. <laughs> to, to be honest, it's it's the smell. I mean, I must have smelled so bad when I went to the supermarket. <laughs> and so beware of dating a groom which is on our, we, we, we will put this out again, I think, because it's so, it was so popular. So number one is, I'm usually late. If we arrange to meet after work, the chances are I'm going to be late because no matter how hard I try, I'm never done for 5pm. <laughs> this is a not a nine to five job, you know. Brilliant. It's, a, it's just a bit of a tongue-in-cheek. So we can look at those on your Facebook. Just head to British Grooms Association. If you put it in the search bar, it comes up straight away. Um, we can follow you on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? At British Brooms. So, yep, follow us on Twitter. We we tend to, we're not always doing the same thing on both. So it is worth following us on both. We uh, we we flick around. Sometimes we have something that goes out on Twitter and something that goes out on Facebook quite separate. <laughs> and there's a reason for that because our membership officer, Fee Boughton, runs our Twitter feed and then... <laughs> Uh, our, our magazine editor Liz Daniels runs our Facebook and sometimes they don't talk to each other <laughs> and different things go out which is great so it's it's too fun uh, we, we like a bit of fun so it's great and then we can uh, go to your website as well which is www.britishgrooms.org.uk correct britishgrooms.org.uk and come and join us don't just read us on Facebook and and Twitter come and join be, be part of your membership organisation because to be honest, without our members, we wouldn't exist. So we do need grooms to join and parents to join their children and employers to join their staff and everybody to become members of their professional association. Half of parents are grooms these days for the kids, aren't they? So, <laughs> Thanks so much, Lucy. It's really, really lovely to meet you. And uh, little Millie has been an angel. She has and she's just woken up now. Oh, perfect timing. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Horses are far easier, I tell you. <laughs> we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Okay, bye. bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Now, how would you like to win a pair of metallic rockfish wellies? We can never have too many wellies, so just head over to our Twitter page, search at Horse Hour, retweet the post, and the winner will be announced on Friday. Now, next Monday is a super awesome episode because we're speaking to Claire Williams, who's the executive director of Beta, and we go in detail about hat safety, the British eventing new regulations that have come out for hat safety body protector safety and we also talk about prohibited feeds and what we need to be looking out for in our feeds for our horses as well as that we're talking to Di Lampard who's the Olympic performance manager for show jumping I'm so excited to speak to her because she's been in the industry for years she knows it in and out and we're going to discuss how she's preparing for Rio because it's not that long away so that's next week don't forget you can also head over to our new Facebook page like that because we've got some awesome things coming up exclusive interviews and even some behind the scenes footage so check out our Facebook page Horse Hour hope you have a really good week and I'll speak to you soon You've been listening to Horse Hour. 
Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern, by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.